All houses wherein men have lived and died are haunted houses. Through the open doors, the harmless phantoms on their errands glide with feet that make no sound upon the floors. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Greetings, creeps, and welcome to my podcast, This House is Haunted. Over the next several weeks, I'll be sharing my personal experience of having spent two years in a haunted house in eastern Kentucky. Due to the spooky nature of this podcast, I recommend you keep the young'uns under 13 out of the room while I take you into a world filled with things that go bump in the night. I don't know if it was a coincidence or if whatever entity that was inhabiting the house had felt my despair and backed off, but the following week was uneventful. Looking back after years of experiencing the paranormal in multiple ways, I feel comfortable saying that the initial energy our family brought to the house after moving in had, for lack of a better way to describe it, brought the house back to life and woken it up. I won't go too far in the weeds about my beliefs regarding the energy that composes all of the universe, because that ain't the podcast you signed up for. However, I will say that I'm not the only person out there that believes that haunted locations are fed by the energy of the people that happen upon it. If you've ever seen The Haunting of Hill House, One of the main characters, Nell, said something that really struck me. She said, Mom says that a house is like a body, and every house has eyes, bones, and skin, a face. This is like the heart of the house. No, not a heart, a stomach. In my case, The entire house we lived in felt like a stomach, cavernous, yawning, and ready to feast. And that first day, we had been the Southern Baptist Church potluck buffet. And we, no, I, was the fried chicken and tater salad that everybody was lining up for. I felt gnawed up and collapsing into my parents' bed that that night after my first day of school had offered me a refuge, at least for a little while. Those first couple of days without scratching up and down the walls, phantoms peering into windows, unexplainable smells and mewling voices crawling up from the ether and shouting into my face made me feel better but I was still walking on tiptoes in preparation for whatever fresh hell I was going to have to face. That's the thing about trauma. It sinks its teeth into you and doesn't want to let go. I never went anywhere in the house alone if I could help it. I had slept with Mama and Daddy for a couple of nights after that first day of school, which inevitably meant that my sister and I had both taken up residence right square in the middle of their king-size bed. She went everywhere I went. Almost. 
On the third night, my daddy, probably frustrated from having both girls taken up and hogging most of the bed, had purchased a special nightlight that caused a warm white glow to bounce off the ceiling of our bedroom. Having gone three days without anything of note happening, I was beginning to believe what my mama had said about me being so worn out with the move that I had gotten confused about what was really happening. It's amazing how resilient kids are. Far too many endure terrors I'll never know and still grow up to be helpers themselves, hoping to make the world a little better and brighter than the one they knew. While the image of that gaunt phantom staring in the window still sprang into my mind any time I walked into the kitchen, it was beginning to get fuzzy around the edges the way things do as time passes. Maybe I had been sleepwalking. Maybe it, it was the wind whipping up that I had heard in the orchard. Heck, maybe I had been sleepwalking and that's how my pencil had ended up outside the window. And so I settled into a sort of normalcy with my family, going to school, getting things put away inside of the house, and just living our lives. I even had the time to engage in sibling squabbles with my brother about me sneaking into his room to giggle under the bed while he used his weight bench, his perfectly coiffed hair pulled back with a sweatband as he grimaced and sang along with his favorite 80s hair bands. My sister and I were back to arguing over who was taking up the most space in our bedroom when my mother finally pointed out that we had a playroom where some of our stuff could go. I had still been avoiding stepping foot into the playroom, always choosing to backtrack instead of walking through it to get to the dining room or back to my brother's room. I noticed that my sister had been avoiding it too, but I kind of figured it was just because she had signed on for the role of being my shadow, so she just went where I went. When Mom mentioned us going to the playroom, my sister was the first to speak, saying, I don't like that room, Mama. It's dark and it smelled funny last time we was in there. She never looked up from arranging her My Little Ponies around the bed in a sort of defensive line. Besides, my ponies have to stay in here because they have guard duty every night. Here she looked up and smiled. See, Mama? Daddy told me that if I put them around the bed, that they would make sure nothing could crawl out from under there when me and Sissy were sleeping. I wasn't startled by this, since she'd been doing it in the months before we had moved. She had caught the tail end of Stephen King's Cat's Eye, which, if you're not familiar, is about a little creature that creeps in dark places like your closet or under your bed, to make its way to unsuspecting children whose breath it steals while they sleep. Definitely not something me or my little sister were equipped to handle at that age, so Daddy had to get pretty inventive on creating a way for us to feel safe in our own bedroom again. Thus, the pony army was born. She looked over at me and said, Make Sissy move her big spooky castle in there. It takes up a lot more room than my ponies. I frowned and glanced at the castle gray skull that was currently inhabiting a good portion of one corner of the room. It's not spooky, it's Skeletor's castle. You like that cartoon? I only like She-Ra, 
she retorted, now casually brushing her favorite pony's hair. It is taking up a lot of room, Tina. We could move it in there on one of the old coffee tables so it's lifted, lifted up off the ground a bit. Maybe use some of your Lincoln logs to make something below, make a whole big thing out of it. What do you say, huh? Mama nudged my shoulder, hoping I would be keen on her idea, but the memory of the unexplainable cold in the playroom gave me pause. Did you and Daddy check to see why it was so cold in there? I asked, trying to sound casual. I was just in there, Teeny, and it didn't feel any different from the rest of the house. Must have been from us having the doors and stuff open when we were moving. She must have noticed my frown because she continued, But if you go in there and think it's cold, I can have your daddy take a look at the vents. What do you say? Ready to move that castle and some of these other toys in there? Tabby, bring that pile of Barbies. My sister started to protest, but my mom stopped her. If Teeny has to take stuff, you do too, little lady. Put them in the laundry basket and come on. While it was only a few steps from our bedroom to the playroom, I had created a barrier in my mind that made it feel much further away. My heart sped up a bit as I followed behind Mom, cradling my He-Man close to my chest, the knuckles of my fingers growing white from gripping it so tight. Mom had put our chalkboard on an easel in the corner of the room, and I could still see where she'd been practicing spelling with me before we moved. The word smile written by both of us. I didn't feel like smiling, even though Mom was right. The room felt the same as our bedroom had felt. She and Daddy had also brought in our small desk that we had at our old house. They'd found it in a yard sale, and it was something from the early 1900s. A solid wood school desk with metal bars attaching a folding workspace. My sister and I had been playing school with it for over a year now, and it had provided countless hours of make-believe school for my little sister. Of course, I was the teacher since I was the oldest. Somehow, in this room, it felt colder and more foreboding. The warmth of all that fun fading away in the stark beige of the playroom with no windows. I know it doesn't look like much now, but we have some posters for you girls to hang up of some of your horses, and we thought you and Molly could hang up some of your artwork here like you do on the fridge. Mom pulled some pushpins from her sweater pocket and picked up a drawing I'd done of the lake house. She placed it directly above the desk. Here, okay? I nodded, not sure that my artwork could lighten the mood of this room, but hoping I was wrong. Daddy and I are also thinking of getting a TV and VCR just for you girls to put in here. Wouldn't that be nice? Here I perked up. A TV of our own? No more watching Howdy Doody or cops or whatever grown-up stuff that my parents were watching reruns of when it was time for their, their shows on the TV. Can we keep our movies in here? I said. Mom smiled. Of course. We can even have your daddy build a shelf for him right over there. And she pointed to the wall adjoining my brother's room. 
That is, if your brother's music doesn't shake it off the wall. As if on cue, the wailing sound specific to an 80s hairband guitar cut through the quiet of the room. Wayne, turn that down right this minute. If your dad here, she walked back to his room, swinging his door wide open. It was not long before I could make out the sound of them arguing through the wall. Well, better him than me. I turned back to the room and stared at the photo Mom had just hung up on the wall. I thought of the lake house again and felt the pangs of homesickness again. No, we were home. That house had burned down. There was no going back. Besides, we had to take care of Mamma. And here, my thoughts were interrupted by a soft tapping sound. It wasn't like the scratching I'd heard my first day of school. It was soft and insistent, like someone quietly trying to get my attention. I didn't move and I strained to determine what could be making the sound when the air around me stirred. If I'd been still before, I was now deathly still, not even daring to breathe. I wanted to shout for my mother, but I felt as if I couldn't. A heaviness settling over me and making me feel as if my limbs had become impossibly heavy. I felt anxiety rising in my chest, The inability to move or speak making me feel instantly claustrophobic. Breathe. I had to breathe. This I could do. And my breath came in great heaves when I heard a sound from across the room. I hoped it was my mother returning, but I could still hear her and my brother arguing in the next room. A silent tear slid down my cheek. Not again. This couldn't be happening. I wasn't tired. It was 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning and couldn't be sleepwalking. I'd slept fine last night. I'd just been talking with Mama. There was that sound again. No, wait. It's a little different this time. It sounds like someone scratching at paper. I found that I could turn my head slightly towards what I was hearing and relief flooded my body. I could move a little. I saw the little desk with my drawing hanging just above it, and my heart grew cold as I witnessed the drawing move ever so slightly down the wall, the slight tearing through the paper being the sound I had heard. My skin raised in tiny peaks, forming goosebumps the entire length of my body. I had to get to Mama. This couldn't be happening. I needed to leave the room and... Here I pushed all my will into saying her name, into forming the words, and as I did so, a scream burst from my lips with such gusto that I collapsed as I cried out, becoming a heap on the floor. I attempted to stand and felt cold hands lightly touching my shoulders, not with force, but almost as if to comfort me. I attempted to stand and stumbled over the castle my mom had sat in the middle of the room when she had gone to deal with my brother. Before I fell face forward, my mother was there, gripping my arm, her eyes wide. Teeny, what happened? Are are you hurt? She was looking over me once again, convinced that I had somehow been injured in the short period of time she had left the room. My brother was peeking around the doorway, 
one eyebrow raised, clearly confused by what was going on with his little sister. It wasn't long before Molly was there too, her wide brown eyes curious. I curled into my mother's arms, not talking at first, just flexing my arms and legs back and forth, relieved that I could move them freely again. My mom was running her hands up and down my arms. You are freezing, Teeny. Did you go outside and come back in? What happened? I, I, I never, never left the room, I sobbed, wiping my eyes with the backs of my hands. The, the picture, it was falling, not falling, being... My mom looked over the desk and her brows knitted together. I don't see the picture, Tanny. Did you take it down? We don't have to use that one if you don't like it. We can pick another one. My sister had walked meekly into the room and crossed to the desk where she picked up the picture that had fallen to the floor. Want me to throw it away, sissy? She asked quietly. Her hands posed to crumple it up. I reached out immediately, shouting, No! startling her to drop it just before reaching me. I crawled out of Mama's lap and stretched myself until I could grab one edge of the paper. I held it up, noticing the tear. There! There! See it? It was torn! Something something tore it! Mama interrupted me. It must have been the pushpin. I knew I should have used tape. Wayne, no. Don't you slink off, mister. Go get your sister a glass of water right now. She turned back to me. Maybe we better consider finding a doctor for you, honey. You have been falling a lot, and the sleepwalking being back, and the confusion. She must have noted my fear here, and she could No, no, honey, no. Not a bad thing. Nothing bad. Just to get you patched up. Things have been hard on all of us. And me and your daddy always did call you our little sweet peach. Sometimes peaches as sweet as you get bruises, and we need to get you all fixed up. And that's exactly what doctors do, honey. We'll get you looked at, and you'll feel right as rain before no time. She continued talking, but I wasn't hearing her anymore. I was staring at the page, still trying to understand what had just happened. I continued looking at the image, only now really seeing it and noticed there, in pencil. Shakily written was a word. Home. I squinted. That couldn't be. And yet it was. Faintly written on the side of the paper, in what looked like pencil, the word home was written in a swirling script. My mom was carrying me from the room now, talking about tucking me in when I said, In your room, Mama. Very faintly. So faintly, I wasn't sure she heard me until she continued carrying me through mine and my sister's room to where she and Daddy were. Wayne was back with a glass of water, and Mom had instructed him to go and find the electric blanket in one of the boxes still waiting to be unpacked in the living room. She was bound and determined to get me warmed up. My sister had also crawled into the bed with Mom and I. Mom had the TV turned on and was flicking through the channels, searching for something happy to help calm me down. Home. The word home had been written in a hand that wasn't mine. Or my mother's. Or anyone in this family. How had it gotten there? And better yet, who had been in the room with me 
Well, creeps, we've made it to episode seven, which means we are now halfway through the first season of This House is Haunted podcast. Lord, can you believe how fast this is going by? Creeps, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. I know there are thousands to choose from, and it makes my spooky little heart happy that you took time to listen to my story. Of course, I am sharing my personal experience of having spent two years in a haunted house in eastern Kentucky, but I also enjoy the opportunity to continue the Appalachian tradition of storytelling. It sure would mean a lot to me if you would take the time to give me a rating on whatever streaming service you're using to get my story to your ears. You can also find This House is Haunted podcast on Facebook and Instagram. I've also added a TikTok, but so far there's only one video up there, so bear with me, folks. My hope is to use the social media outlets as a way to connect with folks who not only like the show, but have their own experiences with the paranormal to share. You're also welcome to catch me on a podcast I co-host called Beyond the Paranormal Podcast, which is an interview-based show where my friends John Ree and I talk to a plethora of folks in the paranormal community about their experiences with everything from ghosts to Bigfoot to aliens. Until next time, friends, keep it creepy and don't go chasing any voices you hear in the night.